This is the Lakin Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast with addiction specialist, Dr. Greg Lakin. Real people, real stories, real addiction, and real recovery journeys. The Road to Recovery starts now. We're back again to the Lakin Chronicles. Uh, doctor, we're going to turn it over to you. Thank you, Phil. Now we have a couple of special guests here. I'm really um, excited for them to tell you their story because um, what what my hope is here and and we have Misty and we have Trent and and they are not where they want to be right now and they are going to make a concerted effort to get clean and get off of drugs and so we're going to monitor their progress in 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 hopes of of being part of their success, but also, you know, they are willing to, to step in and serve as an example and a model to help others do the same thing. Because for people that are out there um, struggling with addictions, if you have somebody that has been through it, going through it, and can testify about how nice it is on the other side, that is the most powerful kind of message that, that you can have. And so instead of hearing some doctor ramble on about some kind of neuropsychology about addiction. Let's hear it from Misty and let's hear it from Trent. Um, tell, tell me, just let's start off like, well, t- tell me, tell us what happened yesterday. How, how did we, how did we meet yesterday? Yesterday I got caught, um, well, stealing, stealing the uh, take-home bottles out of the clinic dumpster uh, to retrieve the leftover methadone out of the small bottles. Um, that's to keep us from, from being dope sick um, because we're heroin addicts. Um, with no money, you can't buy drugs, so we were just doing what we could. And while I was in there, I I found someone's leftover from lunch. And uh, I mean, since we live under a bridge, I mean, you can't pass up food that's good. So the the bottles, I, mean, I was gonna let you have those, but I wasn't gonna let you have the food. That's how far down we've come with this. And and that's why. I, I just admire you telling your story because I know there's maybe some shame and some pride, you know, but, but at the same token, I really look forward to having a follow-up interview in, in a few months and, and you can tell us how far you've come and you can tell us what it's like on the other side because I, it happens and I've seen it happen time and time again, so I really appreciate you um, tell, telling the story. Um, may, maybe, Misty, tell us how you got started um, with addictions and, and how it progressed and then where you're at right now? Um, well, I lost my mom in October, and that made things even worse. Um, I started out um, young, being you know an addict, and and it just got worse. Um, after I and um, got the clinic, um, I got kicked off the clinic, um, and then I just had to go to street drugs, and then it got to where you know I come homeless and. It's got out there. And what, tell us how it progressed. I mean, it, with you, it started with IV drug use, right? Yeah. And and it started with? And a lot of some morphine oxycontins. So you were injecting pills? Yeah. Um, and this is almost 20 years of, of this, off and on? Is that mm-hmm. what I understand? Yeah. Okay. yeah. And then you've been in treatment before, but yeah. relapsed, and, mm-hmm. and this last episode of relapse was yeah. 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 It's the definition of rock bottom. We finally yeah. actual full-on rock bottom. Yeah, we used to live in a house. We live under a bridge. Yeah. yeah. 
It didn't take long. It wasn't hard. Mm -hmm. No. It happened in the blink of an eye, really. It's really I mean, easy to become a drug addict and get out there, but it's really hard when you get on the streets and you don't have nothing and you gotta eat out of dumpsters and, you know, sleep on a bridge, you know, it's cold out there. And, and you're both so, engaged. Yeah. You've known each other for a while. Congratulations. Long time. Yep. Long time. Yep. And Trent, tell us your story about how, how you um, got started. <clears throat> I mean, I kind of had things, I had the world by the tail. I got hurt at work and uh, the doctor gave me some, some pain pills, some Motevs. Um, and one night by accident, I realized I could get high by taking more than, well, you know, by not taking the way they were prescribed. So, and that, that feeling of euphoria was just my, that was my high, the, the one that I liked. And it progressed from there, buying those on the streets after the prescriptions ran out, to buying stronger pain pills, to snorting them, to using them IV. And then when the pills got too expensive and the really good job was gone and the savings were gone, um, then it was to, you know, heroin and whatever you could do cheap, you know. Um, well, and you were telling me some things about, well, what does a day look like for both of you? I, assume, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, just tell me you wake up. And uh, you wake up and the very first mission is to get a fix to get well. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like a lot of people that come to the clinic, but right. there's no clinic. There's the dope house, mm -hmm. but it's not free and it's not cheap like the clinic. I mean, I mean, relatively, the, cheap, the clinic is cheap, affordable. Right. You know, um, a fix is fifteen, twenty bucks mm -hmm. per person, and um, yeah. it's cash up front. So, and how many fixes a day? Uh, about two. Heroin's not a long acting, so right. you know, about yeah, two to try to stay. But if there's money, you know, if you've got some work and you got some money, uh, you know, you can have the best plans in the world. I'm going to go buy a gram and that'll last us this many days. And, uh, you know, eight hours later, the gram is gone and, you know, you're high. But uh, the next day is waking up broke. Hey, Doc, yeah. I had a quick question. Now, uh, what, what, what about what ages did you guys start? I started when I was 17. 17? Mm -hmm. I'd be using it. Yeah. And, and Trent, were you somewhere around that age? Or? No, no. Well, it was different for me. I mean, I didn't start with hardcore addiction until... Um, so yours was more of a pain relief. Later in life, yeah. I mean, it was later in life I, uh, in the military. Well, from that beginning point, how long did it take to get past all the pills to, like, the injections? Was it It took years? less than a year. It took less than a year to go from swallowing pain pills to being an IV drug user. Okay. Well, thanks. Using more tabs to use an OxyContin. Thank you. And a lot of people don't know how quick that tolerance happens. I mean, oh. you could, you know. Uh, it's amazing. I, I mean, where one OxyContin 80 will get you just loaded, you know, I mean, pretty soon. In a week, two weeks, you know, you're doing two at a time, three at a time. Forty dollar pills, right? You know, an oxy eighty goes for forty bucks. Or yeah, fifty cents a milligram now. Yeah, at least some places a dollar a milligram. Yeah. eighty bucks for an eighty milligram pill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one of the reasons they're so dangerous is that it's a timed release, slow release, but you crush them up and you get twelve hours of opioids right then and there. Fifteen seconds. Fifteen yeah. seconds. Yeah. But then it's gone. Yeah. If you live through it. If you live through it. Yeah. For somebody without a tolerance like yours is now, 
But like if you would have injected that same amount early on. Oh yeah, I would. Yeah, I'd have, I'd have been gone. I'd have dropped out. If I'd have shot an eighty, my first shot, it has been that. Has been that. Right. You know? And two people go through inpatient, and their tolerance will go back down, and they'll get right back. Or they'll go to jail for a while, and they'll come back out. And, and they already do the same amount that they did before they yes. went in, and thinking they can do the same amount, and they up and down. And you're eulogizing them. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, so tell us, so now your day, you wake up, you look for that fix, but then what? Talk about trap houses. Like, what, mm. what does that look like to somebody that doesn't know? A trap house is, it can be anything. It can look like a normal house, um, or it can look like the most run-down, shoddy, what you would think is a crack house. It, it's just, uh, you've got dealers in there, sometimes uh, several independent dealers. They all kind of just work together. They sell their, their drugs. A lot of them sell the same drugs, and then uh, usually in a trap, you can fix there too, you know? It's, you know as, a, as opposed to just some, you know, a dealer's room and a trap you can fix. and. Mm -hmm. That way, it's not as dangerous. You're not walking around the streets with your dope. The police are going to get you, you know, with your paraphernalia or your dope. And, and it can be... But it's dangerous. I mean, mm -hmm. most people, don't you think, have a favorite and then they got a backup? Oh, yeah. And it oh, just yeah. seems to see what... Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you, both your favorites are opioids, I, I, I assume, mm -hmm. now. And heroin. Um, but cocaine, I mean, if you can't get any kind of uh, opioids, you know, you'll, you'll throw some cocaine in there or some amphetamines to try to get you by. Right. It's more, it really doesn't help with the withdrawals, but it's partly just about getting high and the psychological part of it. You're not as miserable if you're kind of numbed through the if whole you're thing. you're high, yeah. 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 And now, like you said, and this is typical probably for you too, Misty, but you, let's say you take a, a point or two of heroin, mm -hmm. um, it doesn't, the euphoria is still not there anymore. It's just about getting well. Getting well. Yeah. It's gotten old. It's about feeling I'm tired. not sick. Yeah. It's all about just not being sick. Yeah, it's, it's not, not about trying to get high or nothing like that. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really get you high anymore. Yeah, you don't get high anymore. It's gotten old and it's, right. you get tired. Yeah. yeah. And tell me about the anxiety that comes with addiction. I mean, nobody realizes that <laughs> that is such a driving force. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you don't, you're sick, you have to get well. I mean, it's, it's not an option. Up. It's not, a, you don't want to get up, but you have to. It hurts to move. And you don't know what you're going to do. I mean, it's almost full-on panic attack. What am I going to do? Uh, which is what drives a lot of people to, to full-on death and robbery. Yeah. It's like, right. I can't make any money today. No one's wanting to give me any money. You, know, you have a choice. You, know, you can steal something or rob someone. And it, you progress to that level really fast. I mean... You do stuff you normally would never do. Never. Yeah, no. I, I've done things, you know, we've done things that we never, I never knew, I would never thought of, I would have done that, you know, when right. I first started. And the neurobiology, I mean, when the limbic primitive survival portion of your brain's run on the show, it doesn't care, it's just worried about the next 10 minutes, it doesn't care about tomorrow, so yeah. it's like 100 voices, and I had it, my, my addict patients tell me it's like 100 voices against one voice of reason, you know, it's just overwhelming, to, mm. to just, the fear of being sick is you so know, overwhelming. You know right mm. from wrong, but mm -hmm. when you're dope sick, and you're going to, you're going to do what you feel thing. like you have to do, right? because it, you feel like you have to do, I mean, you're, you're sick, and you know it's only going to get worse, mm -hmm. you know. And if you make it through seven or eight days on something short acting like heroin, it starts to get better, you know, a little better. The, the physiological 
but you still got the moody blues that could last weeks or months. Yeah, you don't want to eat. So you'll never sleep. make it and stay clean. I mean, right. on your own, trying to cold turkey, it's just too hard. But and that really support. is the difficulty with cold turkey. Cold turkey is just, you still feel like something's wrong. Even though you've weathered the storm with physiological withdrawals, the psychological withdrawals. Kicking your butt every day. Yeah. Depressed for no reason. You don't know why. Mm -hmm. You're just depressed. I mean, it, everything is. And the only thing you know as an addict is if I get high, I'm not going to feel sad. I'm not going to feel depressed. So mm -hmm. it's it's a cycle like you wouldn't believe. I mean, it's the most vicious cycle. And we all cho we chose to be here, but. Right. We didn't choose to be addicts. So, well, in a way, we chose yes. to do the drugs, but. I mean, well, and the, the reason why I have such faith in you guys is both of you are not playing the victim role. You're both, I mean, it's your journey. You know that it's your journey. And and you came in knowing that, okay, let's let's do this. You know, I, we, we talk about, I got this. I got this. You got to like put that in your brain. I got this. Yeah. Hey, Doc, I was going to say too, if you don't mind, uh, uh, you know, the, the point you're feeling right now that, that being down, you know, it's on its way up now. So right now you're, you're making a, a point to say that, that I'm going to get clean. You've got this. I would, I would tell you before you left uh, doctor's office today to write that down, put it in your pocket and that uh, you're going to get clean and just say, keep saying it to yourself. And uh, this is my doctor's going to monitor your progress and I'm going to be there to make sure that, you know, we we're uh, writing everything down, but I just think that's fantastic that you have that opportunity to to get clean and think about how good you'll feel the next time we we get to talk. We're happy to be here. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you. I mean, I, and our plan is this is our plan. So, so as Trent says and Misty says, when you're doing this to your body and your brain with opioids or with any drug of abuse, it doesn't matter whether it's benzos or alcohol or anything. Your brain thinks your body's in duress. Your brain starts to overactivate the limbic survival portion of your brain. It's primitive. It is just like all about survival. And so that's that panic mode you live in all the time. It's panic. It's anxiety. It's but it, yeah. And the frontal logic portion of your brain that makes all the conscious good decisions is more dormant. And so as we control cravings and withdrawals, we're going to use methadone. Cravings and withdrawals. We use methadone because your tolerance is so high. We can always get you to a point where you have no cravings, no withdrawals, but the long, long half-life of methadone helps stabilize your mood. And then we're going to look at other things. We want to make sure your serotonin is up to normal. We want to make sure that your anxiety, and if there's any depression or or, or other disorders, PTSD, that, that it's managed as well. And then we can titrate down and you can get off and your mood will be stable and you will feel, you will literally feel your brain shift in the next few months where frontal logic starts to re-engage and you all of a sudden feel back in control. And, and you'll start doing things that you haven't done in a long time, like thinking about the future and having hope and, and all those things, being able to love each other appropriately, you know, as, as husband and wife or as boyfriend and girlfriend, you'll start to feel higher level thinking things come back online and, and your brain will shift back to normal. It's a process and it's not always easy. And people are gonna see that with you too, but they're gonna say, hey, I have bad days, I have weak days. But together, you guys can support each other. Um, so I really appreciate you guys reaching out. And the reason why you're doing it is to help others. 
and to, and to get the message out there because there's some deadly stuff out there and you've probably lost have you lost friends have you lost, lost loved ones we've lost people that we've met out on the streets just just out here in the last six months five or six of them just people we've met in the last you know eight months i mean yeah. It's that many, and this isn't what you're talking drug related. Yes. That's all drug related. That's not the shootings and the. Right. That's still drug related, but this is just overdose type related. Right. Yeah. Some just, of the stuff that some of the overdoses have been on, like people think, the black tar doesn't have fentanyl in it. No, it's you, definitely cut with fentanyl. Yeah. It makes it go farther. It gives you more bang for your buck. Mm -hmm. Brings you back to this house as opposed to the other dealer. Yeah. Because you're gonna go where you can get the best stuff. Right. You know? It's gonna last a long time. Yeah, you need it to last. You know, I learned something from you today too. A lot of times it's not necessarily China White or this tanny stuff that's out mm -hmm. on the streets all the time, but they mix it with instant cocoa, coffee. Cocoa powder. They cocoa. cut tar with uh, instant coffee. So yeah. they cut the the white. They cut white with um, cocoa powder. Baby likes it. Right. Yeah. Right. And. Yeah, it's bad. You never know either. You never know. I mean, you have you're putting your trust and faith in someone that mm -hmm. doesn't care about you at all. They care about the dollars in your pocket, and that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you walk out that door and you die, they don't care because there's twenty more just like you. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. It I is mean, funny sometimes. Somebody get on the program, and all of a sudden the dealer's not hearing from him for a couple of days, so he calls. It's like, oh, I'm really worried about it. You're really come worried by. about you. They're your friend. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They made a lot of money off of you. Yeah, they're your friend when you're not coming by. They miss your money. But when you yeah. need something, you you need a, you know, a point. You're supposed to say you need a point for a couple of hours. What are you talking yeah. about? Man? It's not worth it, yeah. No, it's a yeah, cash and carry world out there mm -hmm. until you know you're not bringing those greenbacks in. Well, even at the yeah. trap houses, I understand, like, mm -hmm. like you said, that you can get... Methamphetamines, you can get, oh, yeah. you can yeah, get, so you know, heroin. You can get what, shop. Yeah, yeah. You want, yeah. But they'll place orders. They'll tell you, hey, I want a car radio, or oh, I, yeah. or I want a, oh, I yeah. want a, yeah. they'll tell boost. you yeah. exactly what kind of clothes, sizes of clothes, what kind of diapers, Space heaters, yeah, all kinds of stuff. Groceries. Yeah, they want the house, yeah. Groceries. yeah. Wow. All kinds of yeah. stuff. Oh yeah. And then your job is to go out and procure that. Yeah. And then bring it back, and you get the reward. Yep. Yeah. Hey, uh, I had a quick question. How many people would you guess are addicts that are on the streets right now in Wichita? If you had to guess. In the oh, homeless wow. community? Of the homeless community, which I don't know the number. I know there are several thousand oh, right oh, now homeless. Um, over 75% of them are addicts. Oh, my goodness. Um, and or co-occurring with mental illness. And then the rest of them are, well, most of the rest of them are, are mentally ill. Uh, it's a really, really... Big problems in epidemic right now. Right, it's bad. And and you both are homeless now, but I mean that is strictly because of the addiction. I mean you're as intelligent <laughs> as anybody is, you know. So there's going to come a day, as I talk to you both, where we're going to look at this footage in a year from now, and you're going to be saying, "I hardly know that guy." Yeah. You know, I hardly know. I mean, I got this great job now. Uh, I'm doing great. I don't even think like that anymore, and I got no. Desire to even go back. You you will yeah. once your brain shifts, you'll have no desire to even. It'll be like a distant memory. I want that. I'm tired of saying I I've got to do this. I want to be able to say I've got this mm -hmm. instead of saying I've got to do. You this. have a lot of people pulling and praying for you. So yeah. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I don't see this as a handout. I'm hoping that oh. it's going to be a hand up. 
has the need. Yeah, no, you're paying it forward. Trust me. I mean, you are. You, I have no doubt that that your story is powerful enough to change lives. I have no doubt. Yeah. And I'm tired of going to funerals. I'm tired of looking in the obituary at young younger people that are dying or dead. And it used to be it was because of motor vehicle accidents, but not anymore because I know who they are and I know what they struggled with. And it's the large majority are. Overdose deaths. Overdose deaths. Opioids. 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 Yeah. It, it's it's amazing. I mean, yeah. It, there's so many, and, and it's not just heroin. It's, it's the pills, the pain pills. But man, there's it's people you would never expect. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So many of them. You never even know them to look at them. I've had some recent people that asked for treatment. They said that they thought they were getting prescription pills. So they knew it was safer because they knew what they were getting, and they found out that that wasn't the case at all. It was counterfeit. It was counterfeit oh, yeah. oxycodone. And yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So these pressed pills are put in packets and look just like mm-hmm. prescriptions. One guy just said he crushed it up and snorted a fourth of it, and he had to get treatment. It was, and he had a tolerance, or at least he thought he did, but not to this stuff, not to fentanyl and carfentanil. Mm. And when they mix it up, they don't mix it. They don't, these aren't oh, rocket no. scientists, yeah. so they don't yeah, know. This is, this is ba- yeah, this is bathroom drugs. I mean, yeah. it, you don't know what you're getting, who made it. I mean, yeah, Eric could have a college degree, or he, he might not have graduated from junior uh-huh. high, man. Right. But he's messing with stuff that you're going to inject into your body. Mm-hmm. It's insanity. Yeah. It's insanity. Yeah. But, right. <laughs> and then I was really happy to see that, I mean, you both had track marks. Yeah. You weren't even shooting in your arms anymore. You were shooting in your legs, yeah. in your neck, yeah. and and luckily, I mean, I I looked them over. I mean, we don't have any abscesses or infections. Oh. However, yeah. that's not uncommon out there. I mean, you've probably oh. seen some. Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah, I I ended up with one this year. Actually, the first one in my life, um, mm-hmm. and it was it terrified me because when it finally burst, uh, I just looked down at my sock and I had this brownish. Tan, like the color of this stuff running from a hole in my leg. I had had a lump about that big, mm. about that tall, and all of a sudden it decided to bust one, and this stuff ran out of it. It was there. And it just it ran just out kept for days. Coming and, and, coming days. Yeah. and I thought, I mean, it hurt so bad. I didn't know what was going to happen. I stopped. Maybe my leg might rot off. Didn't want to go to the hospital because they're going to know what it is. I don't know what they're going to do. You know, Are they going to help me? Are they going to judge me and say, well, you did it to yourself, so go on home and. You know, I have so many people I've started on antibiotics just in time, but but even then, you know, for every, for all the bacteria that came out of that abscess, there was also bacteria, the same bacteria Uh being circulated through your body, lodging on heart valves, lodging, you know, causing kidney damage, stuff that may cause complications later. We've we've certainly seen that. Abscesses in lungs, I mean, we see that kind of stuff, but... Um, oh, yeah, I used to get holes in my legs like this from abscesses and stuff like and that. And septic yeah. in the hospital yeah, for I used four to, yeah. weeks, you know, at least, you know. Right. I mean, that's yeah. if you're lucky and you don't just die because you don't go to the hospital soon enough, you know. Yeah. If you do, you're septic, you're in intensive care, you touch and go, and then you're another six weeks of IV antibiotics, you know. Does you, you that happen to you or friends? No, um, so, uh, my ex-wife, uh, right. twice. Yeah. Yeah, no, the last we, time we, we barely made it. Oh yeah. yeah, a lot of times it's MRSA, methicillin-resistant mm-hmm. staph aureus. Yeah. It's very hard to kill, and it's perfusing through your body. And they don't know, people, didn't know where it was coming from. It was an abscess in her lung, yes. in the bottom of her lung. That's, and it came from IV drug use, mm-hmm. but, yep. but the skin they, healed, but 
they didn't know, that long, yeah. and they didn't know where the source of the mm-hmm. you know the really bad bacteria was coming from. And, yeah, they literally have to go in there and take that out. They did. Yeah, it's called thoracotomy. They had to yeah. go in and dig that stuff out, and it was exactly, exactly. horrible. All right. All because yeah, we're doing drugs. Nope, I get it. No, I'm excited to see where you guys can go. I really am. And and as you, as we talked about, and I appreciate um, you sharing your story. But yesterday, eating a sandwich out of a wrapper, having sandwich in a dumpster, you know, and then taking bottles out of the trash in hopes of getting enough methadone so you guys wouldn't be sick from the heroin. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So that's what I was doing. All right. No, I appreciate you guys sharing your story. And let, trust me, we will look back on this because nobody wants you to succeed more than us. And you both have great counselors and they have seen and heard it all and your story is not unusual and success stories are not unusual. But for somebody out there in rural Kansas or somebody out there that's more isolated, they don't know that. They don't. They think they're the only one. They think that it's a dirty little secret, and they're they're afraid to get seek treatment. And my hope is that your message will get out there so that they'll seek treatment and not be ashamed or not be embarrassed or just sure. know that that uh, they can do this. Absolutely. Or as we say, I got this. I've got this, and you guys will have it. Mm-hmm. We've got faith in you. Mm-hmm. Doctor want, called last night about it. it. So. Yeah. And he had full confidence. It, it, that's why he picked you, too. That's right. Well, thank you, Misty. Thank you, Trent. Thank you, Dr. Lee. Okay. Take care. Okay. Uh, that's a wrap. Dr. Lakin is a board-certified family medicine doctor with an emphasis in addiction medicine and over 25 years of experience. For addiction recovery services in the Wichita area, please visit www.centerforchangeks.com or visit samhsa.gov for a national directory of resources and recovery centers in your area. You can also find these links in the podcast description. Thank you for listening to the Lakin Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast. And remember, you've got this.